Welcome to the Spreading Success Podcast, bringing you the best habits, routines, and strategies from the most elite entrepreneurs in the game to help you find your path to success. Now, let's get right into the show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Spreading Success Podcast. My name is Ram Raviv, and I'm your host. Today, I'm joined by my good friend, Brian Breach. Brian, how are you doing today, man? What's going on, man? Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. 100%, man. And we met at the NetCon Hamptons Mastermind. It was a great event. We really got to link up with some crazy, crazy names. Man, that, that event was incredible, man. I was so honored to speak. It was great meeting you. It was, uh, you know, doing an event like that in a, in a $4 million mansion is just a different kind of level. You know what I mean? Oh, man. Yeah, it's better than those traditional conferences at hotels. It's a completely different vibe. Oh, absolutely. Especially after 10 p.m., you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. <laughs> yeah, it was cool, man. It was it was an amazing experience. There's so many amazing speakers. And, you know, even though I was a speaker, I sat and watched everyone else talk. I yeah. gained so much knowledge, man. So much. Mm-hmm. So, man, it was overall incredible experience. Shout out to Simon. <laughs> Key tip, guys. Always go to these events because you can meet some crazy people. But, Brian, for the listeners that are not really familiar with what you do, could you give us a 60-second snapshot of what you're currently up to and really who you are? Yeah, when it's funny, uh, like I said at the event, when people ask me what I do, I, I don't even, I tell them I don't even know what I do anymore. I, I do so many things. Um, uh, you know, I make content, I shoot skits, uh, I, I've been viral recently, I, I do social experiments, uh, I'm an entrepreneur, I guess you could say entertainer, and, um, you know, I did my recent TED Talk. So I'm, I, I, I do everything across the board. Now I think I'm a speaker. I don't even know. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I'm a speaker now because it's like my fifth speaking engagement since, uh, since my TED talk. So, Hey, I'm gonna go with it, man. Whatever opportunities float my way, as long as I can help people, inspire people, that's what I am at the moment. (laughs) Exactly, man. And everyone wants to say that they're a podcaster, entrepreneur, speaker, writer, and everything like that. But you really do it all. I was looking at your Instagram profile and obviously we've talked a little bit during the event, but man, the one thing that really uh, stood out to me was the whole viral content thing, because not a lot of people at entrepreneurship events talk about like, how to make either comedy or videos in general viral. And that's something that I'm like, man, I obviously, even though we had a great conversation, like we definitely bonded, but I was like, man, I definitely have to get this guy on the podcast. He's about to jump <laughs> some value that nobody is really talking about. And we'll definitely get into your whole story later on, but right. I want to quickly transition into kind of how you got started and your early life. So take us back to your middle school and high school days. How were your grades? Were you always in that entrepreneur <laughs> content mindset? Right. So, so I, I guess a little bit about what I spoke about. I'll, I'll go a little bit before middle and high school real quick. And, you know, I, I started off in a, you know, crazy, actually, I, I was born where you're at now in, in Long Island. And, hey. um, you know, I, you know, you, you think everything's going well. My parents thought they had a decent marriage and all of a sudden just things hit the fan. You know, my mom was arrested on, interstate trafficking charges she contracted hiv while she was cheating on my dad and she was super abusive at the time for some odd reason my dad lost custody i don't know how we did that with all that was going on and she took us to florida um and then when she came down there she met a man named jordan he was kind of like a stepfather and then while he was living with us he was murdered and my mom passed away of AIDS and my dad finally got custody and he was broke sleeping on the floor we ended up moving into my stepmom's house after they got married and then she has like this grand mal seizure and they find a, a tumor behind her eye. And um, it was just chaos. And my dad had back surgery. They gave him a staph infection. He was out of commission. So I, I tell I tell people this story, not really to not for any kind of sympathy or, you know, or to, to share my life story. But the fact that 
that was my journey of what got me inside like the independent mindset as an entrepreneur. Now, it wasn't until, okay, so when I came out the womb of my mom, I was figuring out ways to sell stuff. I was making <laughs> bracelets. I was selling, in elementary school, I was literally making hundreds of paper airplanes and I was selling them. And I don't even know where I got this from. I don't remember ever being taught <laughs> to just do this stuff. I bought a bracelet kit and I was selling bracelets. I used to steal, you know, don't do this kids, but I used to steal uh, chrome caps. You know, the chrome caps that go around the, I used to steal that off people's tires and I used to sell them. I used to buy candy for like 25 cents and flip it for 75. Um, in seventh grade, I used to play this game called flips where you would flip a coin. And if you, if you call heads and if you match the heads, you would get the quarter. I ended up going home every day with somewhere between three to seven bucks per day. <laughs> And then we used to throw it against the walls and whoever got closest to the wall kept the change. I even got to a point where I made a fake nickel where I flattened the side out and they were both heads. Yo, <laughs> I was always figuring out ways to hustle. And, uh, you know, I guess being independent because I didn't have much parental guidance during those times. It was just I became super independent. Not everybody. That's just my story about how I was able to transition from nine to five work to, to entrepreneur, but not everybody shares that story, but you just got to be disciplined yourself. You know what I mean? You have to wake up every day and want it. You, you can't be stressed out about having someone micromanage you. Cause I know people that have to have micromanage someone, someone micromanaging them. I, I know people that have to have someone delegating responsibility to them. And I just don't have that. I know that if I don't hustle, I will get evicted from where I'm staying now. If I don't hustle, I will die. I will have no food because I got, there is no one out there. It's just me. You know what I mean? So I guess, you know, that's a little bit about where, where I came from and my story. And then, uh, you know, I got into a little bit of legal trouble during my last nine to five. And when I went, when I got fired from that job, because I was doing music a lot, I was forced out into the wilderness. I was stuck. There was, I couldn't get a job anywhere. They wouldn't even hire me in the same building where I worked because of the legal troubles. So what do you do in a situation where you're like, you, when you go apply at every job, you know they're going to say no. I literally said, I'm not even going to, I'm not, I'm not applying no more. I'm done. And I just went right into the, right into trying to make money, throwing hip hop shows into uh, independent label, trying to make money, converted that with my partner into a printing business, converted that to a clothing line and then into a social media business. And it took me like 10 years of failing at all these businesses in order to finally find a business that worked. And that business is working so well that it's allowing me to shoot all this viral content and go out and, and, and travel to New York and speak at NetCon on my own dime because, you know, that's how much I believe in myself and wanting to collab and network with everybody. You know what I mean? So it's been a long, tedious, ridiculous yeah. journey, man. man. And now I'm here talking to you. Man, that sounds like you literally went through hell 10 times in a row. <laughs> I'm exhausted um, just telling you the story. Man, I'm I was like want to cry just listening to this man and I <laughs> already and I already heard the story at the whole night. <laughs> like it's just I like know. I heard it all over again. But when you first got into your whole entrepreneurship thing, your whole viral content, I know your your whole family situation was was not 100%, but yeah. how was your how were your friends and the community and the the kind of parental situation how are they all reacting when you're like you know what i'm done with nine to five i want to pursue my own thing with viral content you know it, it's weird to say that because during that time i don't have a lot of family right so mm -hmm. i have my dad which i love and there's my sister and my nephew and them i don't other than that in my family i may have some cousins and and people in new york but there's no other family aside from those two really that could tell me anything you know what i mean 
that I would even listen to. Every once in a while, I would hear, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like what, what direction are you going there? Or, you know, my dad would ask like, so I don't get it. Like, like I would tell him I'm performing. I don't get it. How do you make money? And then I go on to the next thing. I don't get it. How are you making money then? And then the I swear it was like the same question in every venture I tried. So I don't get it. How would you make money off that? And it's like, you know, it's frustrating to hear that sometimes, but I, he's just being curious. He really generally wants to know, but you know, and I did have people hate along the way, not necessarily family, just people looking down upon me. And that's fine. That stuff propels me forward. But it was never like a situation where like, they're like, are you crazy? What are the, you know, every once in a while I get that. And people are very <laughs> confused by my actions on, you know, switching all the time. And what am I doing? What route? And I, a lot of my friends would give me advice. Hey, you need to stop chasing a dream and you need to just make practical money. I, I had one friend specifically constantly every stop it, bro. Go, go after the money, go after money. I was like, that's not, that's not what's going to make me happy. You know what I'm saying? What's going to make me happy is pursuing what I want to do. And my goal is sitting, sitting there making money in a place is not making me happy. May, you know, maybe when I have millions of dollars, I'll, I'll <laughs> reconsider that thought, but um, you know, it's not making me happy making so much money when I'm not happy what I'm doing. I don't want to work 12 hours a day and make a million dollars, but I don't enjoy it. And it's not my dream. Why do I want to make someone else rich when I can make myself rich? When you work in a nine to five, they cap you no matter what, no matter what you say, I don't care if you make it six figures. If, if, if they tell you, you can make a hundred grand this year, that's pretty much all you can make. And you're stuck there as an entrepreneur. There is no cap. You can make as much as you freaking want, as long as you hustle your ass off, you know? Exactly. So Yes, that's pretty much along the lines of that, man. Not, not too much family that, that came down upon me, although people question my actions a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and in terms of you said you had a few friends that weren't really supporting you, and this is something that I'm kind of going through. I'm pretty young in this. I don't have that many results to show people and kind of shut them up, and I'm mm -hmm. obviously still in college and things like that where the people around me are not on the same wavelength as me because yeah. obviously they're in college. So when you were kind of early just starting out, were there any friends or close people to you that you really had to cut off? Or was it just like, I'm just going to let them rock anyway? Bro, so many. I, I, I'm not even exaggerating when I tell you this story, but I cut my own grandmother off oh my like, God. while she was passing away. Like, like I, to this day, I actually kind of still wow. feel bad. But since I was a kid, just like my mom, she was just, it's, what's weird is that she was abusive like my mom. She kind of treated me like shit like my mom. But it's weird. I still have better memories of her with her than my mom. I still have, I still have, there's caring moments with her that, mm -hmm. that I didn't get with my mom or whatever. Um, so I cut people off. I remember on, on her deathbed, my, and I saw her while she was passing away. I was there, but my sister sent me a picture of her going like flicking me off. I mean, it wow. still hurts me to this day, but I just, I got to the point where every time I saw her negative, every time I got there questioning what I'm doing. Every time I, I went to her house, like, uh, you look like shit. Like, mm -hmm. it, I couldn't escape it. And what do I want to deal with? I dealt with that my whole early life. Why would I want somebody in my life? So I strategically cut mm -hmm. people off. When I was like 21, 20, I started hanging out with this crew of people. One of the, one of the people in the group was too outrageous for me. You know, it's like, um, it's like that story. This bed, uh, this bed's too small. This bed's too big. Well, with friends, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. I want to be around people that are crazy, but not too crazy. I want to be around people that, that can work nine to fives, but want to be entrepreneurs. I want to be around people that don't always talk about the same crap, but can still reminisce about the old days, but want to talk about business. So I cut off the crazy ones. I cut off people that weren't doing anything. I cut off people that were just, 
you know, I'm not saying smoking weed's bad, but like that's that's <laughs> all they did from morning till night. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's all they wanted to do. You know, if you're gonna smoke, smoke and go do something, man. Yeah, like exactly. Think about being an entrepreneur. Let's talk about business, you know. So I spent an entire life cutting people off until I finally connected with the right circle. And I have my my crew of five best friends. I got my other best friend, Lex One. He's my business partner. He's always motivating. And he's been kind of like a mentor for me throughout my whole life. But I've literally spent a decade cutting people off very strategically. I don't give a shit. I got people in New York right now, you know, aunts and uncles that I love, but they never brought anything to my life. They never reached out when, you know, I was going through all that stuff. So I don't really... You know, I don't really lean on them. I have an uncle who who was my mom's brother, scumbag piece of shit. And when my mom was going through all that, all that stuff, I reached out to him to try to be, you know, for him to be an uncle to me. Didn't give two craps. I almost got in a fight with him at my grandmother's funeral. Physical wow. fight. I almost knocked him out. Um, and uh, so I spent a lifetime cutting people off. And you're young and you're going in the right direction. And just know that. While all those other college kids are doing what they're doing, you're going to netcon events. You're networking with major yeah. people. You're getting knowledge that they're not getting. And if they're not on your wavelength, you need to find people that are on your wavelength. And don't feel bad about cutting people off because by cutting people off, it's gonna uh, it's gonna help you get to where you want to be, whether you know it or not. Yeah. You know? And for me, like, it's crazy. There's some people, some of my friends that make fun of me for saying that I have to schedule a podcast episode and I'm pot. He's like, oh, he's probably always podcasting. Always pot. I'm like, what are you saying? I'm networking with people that you'll never talk to in your life. And you're like, oh, he can't hang out. He's busy podcasting. But man, right. Well, you know, it's funny. There were times that people would do this to me. Right. But now my friends understand. I, I kid you not. Before I jumped on this, my boy Ricky was calling me over and over and over. And I didn't answer. I say, hey, I sent him a message. Hey, I'm about to jump on a podcast. He's like, all right, call me when you're done. But I promise you about eight years ago, his reaction wouldn't be call me when you're done. Eight years ago, he would have been like, Bro, the fuck that, you, shut the fuck up. So you ain't, you're not like, shut up. Yeah, like, yeah. Listen, if your podcast will one day blow up, I have faith in you. You're, you're, you're a smart kid. Imagine one day your podcast is up there. You're interviewing the biggest of the biggest. And then... They're, you're going to hear their attitude change. You're going to hear them say, oh, shit, yo, Rom, Rom's on a podcast. Don't even bother calling him right now. He's doing his thing. <laughs> Let them say that stuff. You know what? Take that stuff, what they say, that stupid stuff, and just use it, bro. Anytime someone screws me over, a girl, a friend, a family member, I don't know what it does to me, but it changes me, man. Like I get so amped up. Anytime a girl does something wrong to me, I almost like it in a sense. I don't like it, but I yeah, like it in a sense I it. because I wake up with fire in my eyes. And anytime someone has done wrong, done me wrong, family, anyone, it gives me this weird, odd boost of motivation. And you have to use that. Whatever tools you have in life, you got to use, man. If you're an angry person, don't punch a wall and hurt your hand. Use that anger to move forward. If you're an emotional person, don't cry every day. Use that emotion to push you forward. You know what I'm saying? So exactly. take all that crap that they're saying to you man and just uh you know make this podcast the biggest podcast in the game you're already yeah. getting great guests on here and you're just starting out you know exactly. what I'm saying? yeah so, and some of my mentors they're they're really throwing all the secrets at me because they're like man you're 18 like i'm 2022 20, like you got one two three years on me imagine if you have all the secrets and i got so much time but for me honestly and this is kind of getting a little off topic but for me the, the main thing why why a lot of people are bashing me about this whole thing is because i'm not making money yet that's like their indicator. Okay. Like, if you're not making money, 
why are you not working nine to five? Because for me, my mom get an internship, do do whatever, you know, make some money, like work on the side. But okay, yeah, I'm I'm glad you said that because I went through, I go through that, and I still go through that. Okay, look, my boys jokingly say when I was doing music, bro, music's not your career; it's your freaking hobby. I'm like, no, whether or not I'm making money off it, and there are there were plenty of times I was making money on music. It's not a hobby. Even even now, when I'm shooting all this viral content. I have one specific friend. I love him to death, but he's he's a little hard on me, which is cool, and I like it. And he's like, "Bro, why do you keep pumping your own money into these videos?" Like when I shot that skit, the 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 girlfriend thing, I went out and bought a mannequin, I bought a garbage can, like I put my own money into it. And what they don't realize is that every skit that goes, everything that I'm shooting, whether they see it or not, I know in my heart and I feel it that everyone is leading up to the next thing. And that's leading up to the next thing. And I swear to God, there is a light at the end of that tunnel, whether they know it or not. I told myself, if I don't go viral in a year or if I don't make something happen with this comedy stuff or whatever, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change careers again. And then boom, that one hits. Now, even though it hit and I still haven't made a dramatic amount of money off it, the opportunities that I have gotten oh, after yeah. going viral, after my TED Talk, which I didn't get paid for, and after I put up a billboard, which got me uh, connections with a guy I'm working on a TV show with, got me to the NetCon wow. event, got me to meet the Modi guy, uh, my boy Hugo, mm -hmm. Alex. I know with everything that I've done, even, even though I'm putting my own money into it consistently, will get me to where I want to go. So if you're not making money off it, they don't listen to him. They're, they're going to see the bigger picture in the end. I promise you they're going to see the bigger picture. Yeah. And for me, it's kind of unpopular opinion. But for me right now, everyone's like, oh, you need a tangible business. But for me, I'm focused more on the relationship capital than the physical capital for me right, right. now. Oh, um, 100%. But, but yeah, so in terms of the actual viral content, providing value to these listeners, you know, we, we talked a lot about different kind of emotional things that, that they're probably going to face in their lifetimes. But how did you go from music, music producer to, to speaker? And then how did you eventually get into viral content right so it was like um so i started the music world off performing with my boy we, we formed a group called real life dialect and then we formed gtps independent label and the hip-hop blog and all that stuff so i started performing and, and opening up for a lot of people throwing shows and making money and and you know it, it, it kind of is what we just talked about i did get to a point where i was tired of pumping my own money into it but i had accumulated a decent following and a decent name and I remember towards the end, and it wasn't that. It was more along the lines of music where I was kind of like, like everything that I do in music, if I make an album, it took me six months to mix, master, record this album. And I release it, and it got some decent feedback, but people digest it in like a minute. Like yeah. they spend one hour on a Saturday, mm -hmm. they listen to your entire album. Where's the Okay, so what are you exactly. putting out next? I'm like, what? I just spent <laughs> six months on this. I am exhausted. And, um, you know, pumping my own money into it, whatever. And even with a ton of plays that I was getting on iTunes, Spotify, Tidal, Google Play, Amazon, all that, the return is so little. You, artists don't make money off albums, man. They make money off touring and shows, and I just wasn't there. So the end of 2016, it was December 2016, I made a decision to stop. And I've always, on, on, on one of my mixtapes I did called Rapper Adults, I even did like a comedy skit on there where I played like seven kids' voices and I was always doing funny skits my whole life, but I just never had posted them out there. I have a funny bone. It's in me. There's nothing I can do. My dad has that funny bone. And I was like, you know what? I want to start shooting this 
this, these viral skits or whatever and see what happens. And the first one I did, which was the worst one, I still cringe, <laughs> called the Cardi B mating call or whatever. Um, it ended up getting like 178,000 views. I'm like, wait a second. The first thing I ever do, my first transition gets more views than half of the crap that I've ever done in music. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'm onto something. And not only that, months are going by and people are still sharing it. Months are going by with my music. It, it gets shared in a week or two and it's done. So I'm like, I think I'm on to something here. And then boom, the next one, the, the Are You Famous Mall prank. And then boom, the one that super blew up. I'm like, all right, I figured it out. Boom. Within, within, within a year, half of these things are going viral. The one went super duper viral. I think I figured out my niche now. And, um, and it works, man. And it's gotten me a ton of opportunity in just a small year that I started doing this stuff, you know? Yeah, man, that's crazy. I've actually seen some of your videos before i even met you and i didn't even realize like who it was i just saw it through the explore feed i'm like damn like i was just talking to this guy yesterday and then i just i just kept seeing it um that's awesome man so that's- i i ain't gonna lie some suck some are decent but i told myself that i told myself that when you're doing it even if they suck you shot it put it out yeah. and maybe someone maybe it'll catch on, on yeah. you know somebody else's brain yeah. and so all the all the bad ones that i feel are bad like the fortnite one and the cardi b one i'm like yeah <laughs> throw it up there it yeah. doesn't matter that somebody's gonna like it you know yeah, what I mean? exactly you exactly know? and of course with viral content everyone wants to go viral and obviously you you kind of struck it home with the whole cardi b mating call if you guys haven't yeah. seen that check that out a different time <laughs> but Hard. when you first started out with viral content uh especially with the cardi b and things like that what is the main challenge that was really holding you back and how did you overcome it the the main challenge of oh, transitioning and and just you know kind of growing in the viral content space right i think the main okay so i think my main my main problem with transitioning was i was scared that people may not accept it because or or understand what i'm doing because remember like people knew me for years i'm talking about damn near decade for only doing music right and then all of a sudden no more music and from one day to the next i just start posting comedy <laughs> videos and people were confused by it because i shot this one video it was the second i think it was it might have been right after the cardi b made a call and i didn't i didn't like it because i didn't like the way out I, I just didn't like the, that kind of way to do these videos so long story short i got my real dad and i came up with this idea we're gonna walk into a restaurant and i'm gonna barge in and i'm gonna accuse my fiance of cheating yeah. on me with my dad and then he's gonna be like um She's going to talk about how he has more money than me. And, and then I walk out the restaurant, but I barge into an Azteca restaurant screaming like a crazy person. And I'm like, I walked in this restaurant and I feel bad actually, because, you know, I'm a, I'm a good dude at heart. <laughs> and, there was, and, and they were calling me from the, from the restaurant. They were like, yo, there's kids in here. And I'm like, fuck, we're already committed. We got to do it. So I walked in the restaurant. I was like, what the fuck? What the fuck are you doing? I was like, you're cheating on me with my dad. Are you crazy? Blah, blah, blah. So, so we shot this piece of content and we posted it. And that was one of my first transitions into this world. And all I got was 150 or 200 messages saying, oh my God, I can't believe your girl did this to you. Oh my God, what the fuck? Brian, is this real? My aunt called my dad bitching him out. How dare you do that? This is sick. And then when we told her it was a prank, she goes, still, you guys are sick. Yeah. And then she started bitching at the girl. So if they would have known, for example, that I was doing this stuff, comedy stuff for years, I wouldn't have got that much negative and hate yeah. from it. But because it was this 
okay, what are you doing, Brian? This has to be real because we've never seen you do anything yeah. like this. So that was my fear that people weren't going to understand my transition. But once I did that social experiment mall prank, it was on, bro. I got so many shares, so much feedback. And the reason, by the way, which not a lot of people know why I did that. So long story short, when I got verified on Instagram for like a year straight, I kept getting this one question. And the question was, are you famous? I got this question every day from everybody. And it was just this one simple question, are you famous? And I hated that question because who cares? What does it matter if I'm famous or I'm not famous? I want somebody to say, hey, how's your day going? Or, <laughs> hey, you know, I checked out your stuff. That's cool. Not, are you famous? So what I did was, I st when somebody said, are you famous? I became like a troll. And I'm like, hell yeah, man. I would, I would play into it. And I'm like, yeah. hell yeah, I'm famous as shit. I'm like, you know who I'm with right now, right? And they'd be like, who? I'm like, I'm chilling with Drake. And they're like, bullshit, show me a picture. So I would horribly Photoshop my head on, <laughs> on somebody next to Drake's body and I'd send it to him and they started believing me. And, and bro, I'll send you some of the conversations after this. And it was like a year worth of conversations. Bro, in those conversations, I dated Rihanna. I dated Taylor Swift. I was with Drake, Jamie Foxx. I was with all these people, Jessica Biel. And uh, everybody kept believing me. And I started posting the stories on Facebook and everybody was like, yo, you're onto something. You have like a niche that is hilarious. So I'm like, how do I convert this into something more? Because everybody likes this particular niche of the Are You Famous thing. I was like, I'm gonna walk into a mall and pretend I'm famous for real and convince people I'm famous. And that one was like the first one that kind of went semi-viral. And um, that's what kind of put me on the map as the guy who now does social experiments. So that was the hardest part of my transition, getting people to understand that I'm no longer you know, I no longer rap and uh, I'm doing these social experiment skits now, you know? Yeah, 100%. And of course, with, with social media blowing up in recent years, everyone wants to make viral content. Everyone wants to go viral. And right. one of the most popular stereotypes, it, at least in my opinion, is that you need tons of followers to make viral content and to go viral. So can you talk a little bit about what you actually need to go viral and if followers kind of impact it in any way? Right. So you don't need, I'm going to be honest with you, you don't need a ton of followers to go viral. Let's take, um, let's just take uh, Little Nas X, for example. He had a, you know, the old, yeah, old yeah. Uh, yeah. So Little Nas X, you know, he had a little SoundCloud page. He had a couple followers. And the reason I know this, because I watched the story that they were asking him and uh, he didn't have a ton of followers or whatever. And he made this song and he paid $30 for the beat, which was a dope beat. And he had posted it and it got no traction whatsoever because he has no followers. Where is mm -hmm. it going to go? Yeah. And then I think something happened where he posted on Twitter and maybe one big person posted it or somebody else. And, and, then, and then somebody made like a video dancing to the song because it has that like that dance element to it. Yeah. And everybody started doing like the, the Old Town Road Challenge and boom freaking took off now it's like the biggest hit of 2019 so you could go viral by you know i've seen will smith post people that mm. that that made something about will smith because his page is amazing and um he'd make them go viral cardi b posts fan stuff all the time so it's not necessarily at all about having followers as long as it gets to the right person you could submit viral content to um like upworthy buzzfeed i think upworthy doesn't buzzfeed um there's viral trends, Zoom and viral, and or 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 Unilad or, or Lad Bible, and you could take that content, just submit it, or send it to WorldStar, and they post it. Boom, you get twenty thousand yeah. new followers overnight. Now, does having a ton of followers help? You know, I have like eighty-four thousand followers. 
yes, it helps because you could see your insights and you could see how many people shared it out. And when they share it, somebody else is going to share it and somebody else is going to share it. So it does help to gain some traction when you have decent followers, but by no means do you need to have a million followers or 500,000 followers to go viral whatsoever, you know? Mm -hmm. And with that stereotype finally being cleared out of the way by someone who's currently doing it right now, how can someone visually create viral content? I know you spoke about a little bit about this at yeah. the NetCons event. So you can, can you talk a little bit about that? Right. So, so, so I'll talk about real quick. The, the one, the one of mine that went super viral was, uh, you know, and it was funny. It was the least effort that I ever put into <laughs> any of it. And that's the funny thing. I, there are videos that I've spent eight hours shooting. I kid you not. One video that I shot at my house, which I never posted, we shot for eight damn hours. I was exhausted. Wow. This one, I woke up, I saw a video on Facebook that inspired me. I went to Walgreens and I got, I, I got a cardboard box, made the sign. I went home, called my videographer. We went out and shot this thing where I stood in front of Target and I pretended to be a homeless man. And it said, please help my family for the holidays. Anyone that gave me a dollar, I gave them back a hundred dollar bill in return. I gave out $500 and I went viral off that one because it, it just happened. I felt like it was great content for the news because it was around Christmas. And I submitted it to them and they ran the story and then, and then interviewed me. So that was the way I went viral with that one. But what I recommend to people that are shooting skits is that you know you know sometimes sometimes you don't want to change the wheel but sometimes you want to create something that's unique and what i was talking about at netcon is that i noticed a lot that negative comments tend to boost up viral content even more and i don't mean negative like you're oh i hate brian breach you're scumbag piece of shit not that but like for example if you're shooting a video and you see like a stain on your shirt or something something like that instead of saying hey let's do that over let's put on another shirt you know what? Screw it. Leave the stain on your shirt because that's going to cause 50 people that were never going to comment ever yeah. to, to come out and say negative things because whatever weird world we're living in, people get triggered by negative stuff and it makes them want to go right. So if I'm preaching motivational stuff, maybe you'll get the motivational people say, amazing, amazing. But somebody that only wants to comment negative stuff is not going to post something, not, is not going to say something positive on a, on a, on a positive post. They want to wait for something negative to happen. The you know, the gossipers of the world. Yeah. So if you have a stain on your shirt, let somebody let 40 people be like, Oh, look at this idiot got a stain on his shirt. Hey, who's the idiot? You're you guys are the 40 comments that boosted me up in the algorithms <laughs> that are getting this played. And that, like I was talking about Netcon, if you're doing a if you're doing a skit and there's like accidentally like a dog taking a crap taking a <laughs> shit behind you let leave that dog in there because you're going to get another hundred comments of somebody being like, Oh, Hey, anyone else? Am I the only one that noticed that dog taking a shit and let a hundred other people be like, yeah, I saw that too. I saw that too. I saw that too. Let <laughs> them all say that. And then you're going to get boosted up in the algorithm. So making viral content, it's about being unique, but it's also about leaving little Easter eggs in your videos that are going to cause people to make these little comments out of nowhere. So mm -hmm. if I have to give any kind of advice to people making uh, viral content, don't just make it about one thing or one subject, make multiple things in there that can create multiple discussions underneath your post. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's you know? definitely something you talked about at the Hamptons Mastermind, something that really stuck with me because I've never heard that being like kind of preached to people. It's kind of something- uh, I'm glad. Like I, got, I had a lot of people, sorry not to cut you off. I had a lot of people come up to me and, and talk about that piece of advice. And I, I was glad I was able to, to, to give that piece of advice. Yeah, I've, 
never thought about that ever. It's just like everything has to be perfect. It's Instagram. It has to be polished. But right about it, the negative stuff actually helps you become viral, which then you can work from there. It, it really does. And um, who was it I was talking to? I did a collab with Dom Benjamin. If you're familiar with him, he was in Ariana Grande's video, mm-hmm. Kissing Her. He was on America's Top Model. And I went to LA, I shot a skit with him. And I, you know, I was talking to him a little bit about stuff like this. And he goes, you know what I noticed? And I was like, what? He said, the, the pictures that I take that aren't necessarily photo shoots that I do off my iPhone resonates with people more because they're so they're more natural and they're yeah. more, uh, you know, just in my element. And he goes, I tend to get more comments or, or more feedback of those ones than like super duper professional photo shoots. Mm-hmm. And I'm like you, what you just said, I like to polish my stuff. I, I told myself that I'm not going to post any filler content anymore. There was a period of time where I was posting so much filler content. And maybe when I get to a million followers, I'll start <laughs> doing that a little bit more. But for now, every post of mine has to be something significant, like a video I shot, a photo shoot, a podcast. I won't post filler anymore. But, um, you know, I, I used to think that you have to polish everything. But sometimes, like the, like the target social experiment, that one went viral. And, and you know what's funny about that one, though? That how it's not polished. The videographer accidentally forgot her. I forgot what lens it was, but the lens to get like the actual close up um, reactions of the people. When I got back to the car, she goes, I'm like, oh, let me see some of the close ups. She goes, I didn't get any close ups of their faces. I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, oh my God, I forgot my lens. I was like, that's the whole point. We need close ups of their reactions. But again, it still worked. It wasn't polished. We forgot a lens and it went viral and it was the least effort that I ever put into any of my videos. I don't, yeah. I don't get it, bro. I don't get it. I don't this get the internet. How the world <laughs> works, man. Um, but yeah. something you talked about at the Hamptons Mastermind event, which kind of has something to do with the, the whole social proof and the following is yeah. using fa- things like Facebook advertising to, to boost the, the content and get it kind of viral through all the uh, interactions. So right. can you talk about like how often you use Facebook ads or how it's really been helping you so far. Yeah. Th- there's something that I forgot to mention during the mastermind. So like when I did the Cardi B mating call, um, the, the, the worst one I ever did, I, I used Facebook ads and I wasn't a big fat fan of them. I think Instagram, Instagram ads run a little different than Facebook ads. And I don't like the way Instagram ads run, but Facebook ads, I never had real faith in them. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, it, maybe I just didn't know how to use them because they're actually more complex than people yeah. think. There's a lot, there's a lot of details. You kind of got to learn them. But what I noticed, I used it for my Ted talk and I used it for the Cardi B one. And I noticed that it went to legitimate people. I mean, it got views from legitimate people. The shares were real. I went and checked out the pages. I'm getting legitimate comments and I'm like, wow, yo, this is actually working. And I would save them. I would save like for my Ted talk, for example, I still to this day, and we're going on a year since my TED Talk, I still run Facebook ads on my talk mm-hmm. to continue racking up views on them and comments because, you know, it went out to their page, but it was, it, it, we're going on a year now. So, yeah. you know, it's not going to be seen by newer, newer people, I guess, and, you know, unless it catches steam, but it's gotten so much traction of me doing Facebook ads. Now, the one thing I forgot to mention is that once you're doing these Facebook ads, you start to learn um, do's and don'ts. And one thing I didn't realize, which pissed me off right so when i did the sawgrass uh mall are you famous prank where i pretended to be a celebrity um i had plans to do a boost on that one and do a facebook ad i'm like all right i'm gonna take this this is the one right here this is the one that's gonna go viral i'm gonna take this to the freaking extreme i'm gonna run ads on this thing until it hits a million views because i really believe 
that this was the viral one. And you know what happened? The word, um, we used the Instagram template within the video and they denied my ad because the word Instagram was used in the video. So wow. after I posted it, it was already out there. I couldn't delete it and then repost it. It was already being shared and commented on. And I'm like, oh my God, I just ha I have the best content I've ever shot and I can't even run a damn Facebook ad on this thing to boost it to where I want to go. I was like devastated because one little mistake I made. So as you learn how to do these Facebook ads, you got to know the do's and don'ts. You can't curse. It can't be, I wasn't able to run a Facebook ad on some of my other content because it had like sexual innuendos in there. Yeah. One girl was showing like the top of her breast. It was like a, a, a dream sequence. So you got to figure out what you can use and what you can't. It can't be, you can't have the word Instagram in there. I don't think you can talk about Facebook. It can't be anything semi-sexual. So it took me a long time to learn what ads I can boost and what ads I can't. So mm -hmm. it, was a, it was a long process of learning, you know? Yeah, and this is something we talked about earlier through pumping all that money into Facebook ads, into the content itself. Is there any way that you specifically or anyone in general can start to monetize that viral content once it does go viral? That's what I'm working on now. I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to admit that I don't know it all. Um, and I've been trying to figure out how to monetize it. Obviously, there's YouTube views, but how much do you really make on that unless you're really getting millions and millions and millions of views? Yeah. Now, my, my social experiment where I stood outside of Target, when I say viral, it, it went more, it went viral on the internet, but it went more viral via television. You know, it went on CNN and Fox and MSNBC, and it was on the front page of Yahoo, and it, it was on radio.com. It was on every major outlet. It was on every local news station in the country. It, it was on news stations in Greece and Russia. So I went viral in that way. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to monetize it. And Inside Edition took my video and they posted like the entire thing in their story format. And I was reading the comments and people were like, damn, thanks for taking this guy's views. Now we can't get paid because they stole off. They basically took all my views because mm -hmm. they were the ones getting views and not on my channel. So the way to monetize it really is to leverage the, your, your, what's the word virality um, to make money. So mm -hmm. brand partnerships and having people sponsor you and um, um, having people, pay you to speak and things like that. So I'm still working on a way and figuring out how to way without getting millions and millions and millions of views on every one of my videos to, to monetize. And I think for me, it's going to be through these brand partnerships and opportunities and paid speaking gigs eventually and all the, all this stuff. But I'm the first one to admit that I'm still learning the processes, you know? Mm -hmm. And yes, yeah, speaking of all the views and the monetization, Instagram in terms of getting viral is, is making it very, very hard every single day. Oh harder and harder with the algorithms wow. and they just want you to give them more and more money in order for you to get more views, yeah. likes and comments because it's a business. Yeah. They, they don't, you know, they only allow that. Like, I'm not sure the exact percentage, but I think it's like, they only allow like, I, I may be way off in this number, like 5% or 10% or 50% of your followers to see yeah, what exactly. you're doing. Yep. Mm -hmm. so they minimize it. So you have to boost posts. And then for example, I got a lot of people are like, I don't see your stories. And the reason being is because you only can see like the first three stories in your feed. And if someone else posts, you get pushed out. Yeah. So at 80,000 followers, I mean, Jesus, like a very yeah. small amount of people are going to see my stories. You know sure. what I mean? And it's tricky. And you just got to hope that people are going to be coming to your page from other pages and, and seeing you because you're being shared and just keep building, you know. Mm -hmm. But they definitely limit the amount of people. Even on Facebook, they limit the amount of people that see your posts. And it sucks. And I wish yeah. they didn't do that. But yeah. they do it. You know? And in terms of the whole 
obviously it's it's getting harder and harder so how do you think that's going to affect you how do you think the industry of creating viral videos how do you think that's going to really impact you in the future um i'm a strong believer that it's going to get bigger and bigger but again i think that you know facebook and instagram are going to find finally come up with or no they're going to keep coming up with more ways to try to make money off us yeah it's going to be a constant they're going to figure it out they're I mean, even now, if I say the word like, oh, I need a new shirt, a damn shirt ad yeah. pops up on my feed. So they're going to figure out a way. But I, I don't think Instagram's going anywhere. And, and I had a, somebody had posted something about this. If I had um, this was just yesterday, if I had a hundred grand or 200 grand, what, what kind of business would you start? And I wrote social media business because everybody's making money on social media through helping people grow. And somebody's like, you're wrong, bro. Social media is done in a couple of years. I was like, what? <laughs> I think I think you don't understand what's going on. Mark Zuckerberg owns Facebook and Instagram right now. He has enough money right now for anyone that's coming up with a bigger platform to either buy out or crush. He is not going to allow right now, or at least within the next five years, Facebook to die or Instagram to die. I promise you that. There has already been Vivo that tried to come up behind Instagram. They were done. I was verified on there within the first like two weeks it came up. And I've never heard from them again. Cinemagram, I don't know, you probably don't remember that, but Cinemagram was coming up. It was the new biggest thing, done, gone. So any new platform coming up, Instagram and Facebook are gonna take over. And social media, no matter what you say, even if Instagram's gone one day or Facebook, it's here to stay. A new platform is gonna come up, something new is gonna happen, but social media in itself is here to stay. We're at a point right now where people don't even care about your resume. I, I, yeah. I was building a page a while ago for, from a, for a yoga instructor and she went to this um, convention where she was selling her yoga stuff. And she told me that every single person that came up to her booth, the first thing they said was, hey, how you doing? What's your Instagram? And because she had 10,000 followers, she told me that multiple times people were like, oh man, you're, you're a serious company. You're pretty wow. serious. You got 10,000 followers. They didn't even look at anything else. They didn't ask to see anything, not a website, not nothing. All they cared to see was how many followers she got. I was helping this actress girl um, grow her page for a while. She told me that they would not hire her as an actress on an acting gig, which should have nothing to do with social media, just on your skill. They looked at her page and they're like, no, we, we want people um, in our movie or in our show, whatever, that, that have a decent, you know, 15K, 20K. You know why? Because when the show gets, gets put out there, they want the actors to post yeah. to their major followers. And if you only have 500 followers, you're not helping promote their show. Mm -hmm. So we're at a point where they're not hiring actors because they don't have enough followers. What world are we living in? Exactly. You know, I, I'm like for and against it. I, I agree with it because, you know, I am doing good things on social media, but then I disagree with it because skill's not even a factor anymore and it sucks. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah that's the world we're heading it ain't going nowhere for a long period of time so mm -hmm. yeah definitely well brian wow this has been such a value-packed episode all the listeners if they want to start a viral content even if they want to just learn more about it crazy crazy value drop some insider secrets for us uh Thank just kind of like a final thought where can people find out more about you kind of plug your social media plug all your viral content things like that yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Brian Breach. Uh, my Twitter is, uh, Jesus, I got so many handles right now. Brian, Bre uh, Brian Breach, uh, uh, Brian underscore Breach 03. YouTube is Brian Breach 03. My Facebook is Brian Breach 03 as well. 
And uh, yeah, I think that's everything except for my damn LinkedIn. And yeah, mm -hmm. if y'all want to yeah. check me out on Modi, I'm Brian Breach as well. But yeah, everything's uh, pretty much Brian Breach across the board. Or you can Google Brian Breach, everything will pop up, all the links and stuff like that. But yeah, check me out. 100%. All right. Thank you again, Brian, for hopping on. And we'll see you guys sure. on the next one. I appreciate you having me, man.